Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Special shout out to Aldergrove CLCC. I trust you're having a great Sunday. We're in this series that we've entitled The Truth About Lies. And we've been talking about this for the last few weeks. But today, I want to talk about this idea that you should make you happy. I think it's a common misconception that we hear uh, people talk about today as if, as if somehow uh, their responsibility is to make themselves happy. Um, Billie Eilish, who's a pop star, uh, is in a recent interview was being uh, challenged because she was wearing something very provocative and some of the uh, people who tended to lean towards feminism were criticizing her for exploiting women by wearing what she was wearing. And, and her response was, I can do whatever I want. It's all about what makes you feel good. Ah, isn't that interesting? So here's a, a young lady, a young singer who's incredibly popular among middle schoolers and, and high schoolers, who's, who's really um, repeating uh, one of the most devastating deceptions that the en enemy of our souls could possibly conceive of. Um, and we're learning in this series, The Truth About Lies, that the devil deceives the world by appealing to our disordered desires, our, well, our flesh. And this becomes normalized in the world. In other words, uh, once the devil tells the lie and, the, and our flesh and people uh, with disordered desires accept it, then it kind of becomes normalized in the world. It just becomes the way things are. Now, Proverbs 14, verse 12 is our main text for today. It says this, There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. Let's pray. So, Father, we pray that you would help us today as we contemplate your truth, your word. I pray that you would place it deep into our lives. I, I pray that we would learn to recognize our disordered selves, our, our tendencies to move away from your truth and, and from who you would want us to be. Help us, Lord, as we, as we endeavor to be your kind of people living in a world that at times is so contrary to who you are and who you want us to be. Help us to be discerning. Help us to recognize the lies of the enemy. And help us to graciously, graciously confront them and live out your truth. In your name we pray. Amen. So the imagery in our text is of a traveler on a straight road. There is a way that appears right, but the end leads to death. A traveler's going down a straight road. It's not a bumpy road. It's not a difficult road. It's not a windy road. It's, it's a fairly pleasant pathway. Uh, it seems safe. It's, it's pleasant enough. Maybe the looking around and everything seems good and fine and usual and right. But the scripture tells us the end is fatal. You see, the end leads to death because the destination is wrong. It's going to the wrong place. It's, it's, it's set, it, the person has set their minds on the wrong things, and they don't even know it, but it's destructive. There is a devastating consequence of, go, of going with the flow, and that's the, the imagery of the traveler, just going with the flow, trundling down the road. And the devastating consequence is that it leads you down the drain. Uh, when Scripture talks about the world, it's really referring to the practices and standards of secular society. By secular, we mean to live as if there is no God. 
So uh, people can be secular even though they believe in God because they're living as if there's no God. In fact, people can attend church, and I'm afraid many people attend church and live secular lives. In other words, they're caught up in the world. They're caught up in the disordered desires. They're caught up in the lies of the enemy. And they're living their lives, trundling down the straight road, living secular lives. Although they believe in God, they haven't given much thought to what that means to how they should live or how they should think, how they should behave, how they should treat others and uh, others like them and others unlike them. If you are in the world, these values of the world seem right and good. In fact, you may praise them. In fact, you may wonder why anybody wouldn't think this way. I'm sure Billie Eilish, in, in, in saying that uh, uh, whatever makes you happy is fine, it's all about your own personal enjoyment, I'm sure she would look at you sideways and glance at you askew if you were to say, hold it, that's not right true, that's incredibly destructive. But holding these values means we pay a heavy toll, um, both in this life, in the life to come. In fact, our, our passage from Proverbs isn't referring necessarily to the end of our life. It's referring to events even in this life, so that if we uh, are going down this road uh, and we are not being careful to uh, live according to the truth of Scripture, not only at the end, the outcome is bad, even in this life there's destruction. Even in this life there's a heavy price to pay for living simply according to your disordered desires. Luke chapter 9, verse 25 says this, What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Wow. So true. In that very text, in verse 23, two verses earlier, Jesus says to the disciples, if anybody is to follow him, they must take up their cross daily and follow them. In other words, there there must be a decision that we make every day to follow after Jesus and not follow after the world, to follow after Jesus rather than simply going with the crowd and down the straight road that the crowd is following. Uh, A daily commitment to follow the truth, to follow Jesus, to put aside the disordered desires. Jesus anticipated this discipleship, this problem among his disciples. In John chapter 17, verse 14 to 18, in part of what's called the high priestly prayer, Jesus is praying for his disciples. He says this, I have given them your word and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Now, uh, you might have heard Christians say in the past, we are in the world, but not of the world. And that comes from this passage of Scripture, though Jesus doesn't directly say that. In fact, we'd be more correct to say we have been put into the world, but we are not of the world. Because the phrase that Jesus uses is, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. In other words, it's, it's not that we just happen to be here in the world. It's not just that we have found ourselves here. Rather, Jesus has sent us into the world. 
We have been placed into the world as salt and light. We have been placed into the world as, as, as his caregivers, as, as the ones who would represent his kingdom, as, as the ones who would understand, know, and reveal his truth. We've been sent into the world for a purpose. Now, he sends us into the world knowing, he tells us in the prayer, that it's not our home. Our home is in heaven. We have a better place. We are citizens of another kingdom. He sends us into the world knowing that we need to be protected from the evil one's lies. He sent us in the world knowing that we would be hated. He would be hated. He was hated. And and so we are hated because we believe what he believed and we say the kinds of things that he said. He sent us into the world knowing that we are on a mission. We're not just here. We're here for a purpose. And he sent us into the world also knowing, this is the best news, the truth of his word will save us. The words that he used are this. He says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is the truth. That's John 17, 17. Sanctify them. Now, sanctify is a, is a religious word that, that comes from a, a Greek word that means holy. And it really means uh, two different things and that complement each other. First of all, to sanctify something, to, to make it holy, means to set it apart for a special task, to dedicate it for a special purpose, to consecrate it for a special job or for a special role. So when it talks about us being sanctified, it means we've been set apart. We have been um, carefully uh, molded into the kind of people that have a, pl- a part to play in this world. But the second aspect of this sanctification word, this word sanctify, means to equip. And so not only have we been set apart, we have also been prepared. We've been equipped in our minds, in our hearts, and our character for that task. So in other words, when, when Jesus says that we are to be sanctified or that we are sanctified by the truth, it means that not only are we set apart for his purposes in this world, to be salt and light, flavor, all of the rest that that implies. Not only have we been set apart for that, but we have been equipped to do that. We have been prepared to do that. There's this wonderful passage in the book of Jeremiah where the Lord says to Jeremiah that from his mother's womb, he has been set apart, using the same word, sanctified, uh, chosen, uh, prepared for a special work that God has called him to do. So before you ever came to Jesus, before you were ever born, God has set you apart. He has prepared you as well for being in the world, sent into the world to represent him well. So God not only chooses us, he prepares us for that purpose. But we first need to learn to die to our fleshly natures, to our disordered desires. And, and this is a daily kind of thing. This is not something that you do once in a lifetime. This is something as, as we confront uh, um, uh, the lies that we hear from the enemy or the temptations that we find in the world. It's something that we need to die to daily. Jesus didn't die so that we wouldn't die. He died to teach us how to die. And, and I, I mean, not only die to the flesh, but die physically. I, for many years, I must confess, I thought that Jesus died on the cross so that I would never have to suffer pain or die. That's not the meaning at all of the cross. Jesus died on the cross, not that I would 
never have to suffer or never have to die because many followers of Jesus have died because they have believed and trusted in him. But rather, he is teaching us how to die. He is teaching us how to die, not only at the very end of our lives, but he's teaching us how to die to self, how to die to our disordered desires, because he died to those disordered desires. Remember, not my will, as Jesus prayed in the garden, but yours be done. By knowing and accepting the truth of God's word, we learn to die to self, to die to those disordered desires and live for him. And we may not always understand God's reasoning. Uh, You know what? Um, God is far beyond us. His thinking is far beyond our ways. And and, uh, imagine trying to explain COVID mandates to your dog. (laughs) Wouldn't have a clue. Wouldn't be any reaction. Well, that's because you're way smarter than your dog is. Well, God is way smarter than we are. And uh, it's no wonder we don't understand some of the things that he does. And we may never understand them in this life. In fact, what God does may be contrary to popular opinion. What he asks us to do may be contrary to popular opinion. But we are to die to those fleshly desires, and we are to live to the truth that he has given us. You know that the moral behavior of this world spreads like a communicable disease. Now, we're all very familiar with communicable diseases as we just come through this season of COVID and vaccinations. But, but really, um, sinful behavior, dis- disordered behavior, um, the, the fruit of, of living according to your selfish desires is very much a contagious thing in our culture. It's very much monkey see, monkey do. Um, in fact, we see that all the time. Uh, lust is redefined as love, and, and it's just taken up in culture and, and, and seems to be swallowed hook, line, and sinker, that, that lie of the enemy, and so many people are caught up with that, and so many lives are devastated. We see that, that in our culture, marriage is not a covenant, but a contract for personal fulfillment. We see the destruction that that brings to our culture. We see in our culture that to force is an act of courage and empowerment, rather than the breaking of vows. Now, there are times when, when, when people really need to come to the point where they need to divorce, but it is really a breaking of vows. It's something to be grieved. It's not something to be celebrated. And I've found that, um, that divorce is, is almost contagious among people. When, when a couple divorces, often their best friends uh, divorce, and it seems to go around a circle and in, in a very similar way. Um, uh, people become... Uh, attracted to an easy way out, perhaps, of, of marriage difficulties. And we've seen that suicide is also contagious. So we have to be very careful when young people commit suicide because their friends will tend to want to follow suit. So we know that these destructive lies, these, these disordered desires, often become very contagious in our culture. Uh, porn is, is rampant in our culture, and it's, it's perceived as female empowerment. How destructive that is. Greed is responsible, just responsible shareholder rights, and, and freedom is just doing what you want to do. All of these things are destructive, and, and, and people pay a price for believing these things on that straight road that leads to destruction. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 to 21 says this, The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, 
drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's quite a list, isn't it? There's nothing pleasant about that list. There's nothing good or wholesome or uplifting or encouraging on that list. And and yet that's the state of affairs of many people who live in our world. And, 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 And we find those lies embedded in our culture, embedded in our secular culture, our worldly culture. And, and John Mark uh, Comer in Live No Lies is really good at, at pointing this out. Uh, where, where do you find sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery? Uh, not that I want you to go there and look, but you'll find it in Tinder. You'll find it in hookup culture. You'll find it in the club scene. Where do you find hatred, discord, jealousy, and fits of rage? I'm just going through the list from our text. Well, you find it in Twitter, you find it in cancel culture, and you find it on the news. Where do you find selfish ambition, dissensions, and factions? You find it in politics. You can find it in office gossip. What about envy? Well, the internet. Wow. So much envy comes out of the internet and and social media and seeing what other people are doing and people wishing that they were like that. Well, the mall advertises that appeals to envy, appeals to greed. Instagram, what about drunkenness and orgies and the like? Well, you see that on Netflix and HBO, etc. It's all there. None of it healthy, none of it wholesome, none of it uplifting, none of it really leads to life, none of it really leads to a good life. But the Apostle Paul goes on, but the fruit of the Spirit, on the other hand, the deeds of the sinful nature, so destructive, but the fruit of the Spirit. Listen, who doesn't want this? Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Wow, that's the kind of life we want to live. That's the kind of life we want our children to live. That's the kind of life we want our neighbors to live. But it comes from the Spirit. The Spirit comes because we believe the truth. While the lies lead to tragic outcomes in this life and in the life to come, the Holy Spirit and truth lead to the good life with purpose and fulfillment. So you can't make you happy. Can't be done. The world doesn't have the answers. But Jesus does. We are called to live into the world. Notice what I did there? Not in the world. We are called to live into the world and equipped to live like Jesus. Put your faith in God and the power of his word. The goal is not happiness. The goal is faithfulness to the truth. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you have given us your truth by which we are sanctified, by which we are prepared, by which we are set apart to live into this world to be salt, to be light, to be your representatives, to be your kingdom representatives, to make a difference, to live the good life of love and joy and peace and forbearance. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us this privilege of living this life. Help us to understand that times people will hate what we say, hate what we do, but help us to recognize that you'll protect us by your truth. Lord, I pray that you would enable us to be the kind of people who just exude the fruit of the Spirit rather than the acts of the sinful nature, the disorganized self. 
Lord, I pray that you would enable us as we go about our week this week, as we talk to neighbors and friends and family members to represent you well. Pray for those folks out there who right now are in the midst of a a challenging situation where perhaps they they are reaping the consequences of disordered desires. Thank you that you're a redeeming God. Thank you that you're a restorative God. Thank you that you always can call us back. You can always bring us back. And Lord, I pray that they would turn their hearts and their minds and their lives over to you. Help us all, Lord, to die daily and take up our cross and follow you. In your name we pray. Amen. I have a question of the day for you. What difference does it make to you to know that you are not simply in the world to make the best of it, but rather you have been sent into the world? Would you think about that for a moment and pray about it? You know that everybody lives by faith. (laughs) You you can't exist without faith. From the moment you get up in the morning, you have to practice faith. You know, when you put your feet outside the bed, you trust that the floor is there. Trust that the light switch will turn the light on. Trust that that the world is as it was when you went to sleep, that that things are remaining constant. Uh, We live by faith all the time. We, we, We have to have trust or we cannot live in this life. Even atheists live by faith. Faith they are right, and that there is no God, because the consequence of their being wrong, well, that's devastating. Our desired outcome is not determined by our faith. Our desired outcome is determined by what we put our faith in. A little faith in a great God makes all the difference in the world. So put your faith in God. Put your trust in Him. Now, his voice often won't be the loudest voice that you hear, nor the most popular voice that you hear, nor the most listened to voice that you hear. It may not even be the first voice you hear. And sometimes you have to dig deep to hear his voice, and you have to be quiet to hear his voice. You have to listen carefully to know his voice. It may take discipline to hear his voice. But in the end, love, joy, 
peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Who wouldn't want that? Let's put our faith in God. Let's trust the truth of his word. Let's be his kind of people in a difficult world. Our doxology from Romans chapter 11. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. How inscrutable his ways. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.